So we should start uh, this evening by recognizing that this is, as they say, and I think I've made this joke before, the most wonderful time of the year, is it not? It is my favorite time of the year. It's the two weeks in which the uh, in, in which I enjoy and am a fan of daylight savings time. The rest of the year, I tend to think that it's a bit pointless, honestly. But this is when the the clocks change, and I am given the gift of recording at eleven p.m. as opposed to twelve a.m. with you. <laughs> Which is a heck of a gift. I don't know how. I mean, I I had to record a an episode of the Incomparable just uh, last week, and that started at ten thirty in the evening. And yeah. you, you should have heard the complaining I was doing to Aaron about starting that late. Like it was worth it. Don't get me wrong. And and as we've spoken about on this very program, I consider it a tremendous honor. No snark intended. I really do consider it a tremendous honor to be asked to be on the Incomparable. Um, but. Nevertheless, I was quite embittered that it started at 10.30 because of friend of the show, Joe Steele, I should add, that jerk. Yeah, I may never be on The Incomparable. Like, There's been a couple of episodes where I might have wanted to be a part of them, but I just can't deal with the time. It, it's like 3 or 4 a.m. Like, I just can't do that. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. It's not going to work. Uh, but, you know, I, I will say, as I am getting older, it is getting more difficult <laughs> <laughs> for me to do this but it's fine i can deal with it it's just why like um i i'm fine recording with you uh it, i just tend to be a, a little lower energy on on analog than on my other shows that, mm-hmm. that's all that's all that's the only uh downside of it yeah that's understandable uh well well at least it's the good year although we at this point since we're only doing these shows fortnightly did i say good year i meant good period anyway uh, since we're only doing the show fortnightly, this is the one and only show where you where mm-hmm. you and I will both be celebrating. But we are celebrating, mm-hmm. darn it. Where this is going to be a four-hour marathon episode. Did I tell you that? Because it is. It's not. I'm just kidding. Wedding planning has begun. Oh, I've been wanting to talk about this on on this very program, but I've been a little reticent to do so because I know it can be very stressful. So tell me what's going on. Well, we just hadn't done anything. Um the the plan remains for uh, me and Adina to get married in the summer of 2018. That, mm-hmm. that continues to be the plan. And we have come to the realization that we need to pick a venue so we can book a date. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is now top of the list. But along with that comes lots of other things like uh, creating a list. So, As in like so invite can, list? Yep. Okay. Yep. So we started on that. We think we have a good good handle on that. Just so we know how many people we're gonna be inviting, which obviously helps inform the venue, right? Yep. And then because of that, like there's a lot of conversations about where is it gonna be, like what type of thing are we looking for, right? Because the venue is one of the most important components, so you have to have a lot of like sub conversations before you can decide on the venue. Absolutely. So there is a, a spreadsheet that Adina has made. She loves the spreadsheet and they are, she does make pretty amazing spreadsheets and uh, the work, the work has begun. So we're, I, I think that she's going to put some word out to some venues for us to maybe go and look at them or for us to just get quotes on them, that kind of thing. And we're going to start moving on from there. Is it Google sheets or numbers? Google sheets. You got to have that thing on the web. I figured. Um, have, has anyone told you and have you considered that even with completely domestic weddings, 
probably only two thirds of the people you invite will actually show up. You are aware of this, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, we. Okay. So here's the thing for us. I know it's going to be way less than that, probably, because for like eighty to maybe ninety percent, somewhere between eighty and ninety percent of our um, guests will be treating this as a destination wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm I'm pretty confident that that many of the people that we have picked will come, but it's not going to be it's not going to be everyone. I, I reckon we'll probably end up. Honestly, with maybe about about eighty percent of the people that we're inviting coming, just because it's not going to be the biggest wedding in the world. I mean, it's 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 regular size. You know, our, our list is like around a hundred. Okay, yeah, now. we were we were about there, I believe, and ended up actually having roundabouts of seventy people show up. I think yeah. whenever Erin gets this episode, she'll correct me, but uh, it was something along those lines. So I'm I'm hoping that you know maybe we'll be in the the seventy range as well. Um, that would be a nice a, a nice good feeling wedding. So, yeah, I I don't know how any of this stuff works, right? Because I mean we find a venue and and then we pay for the venue. I assume based on the amount of people, but then the amount of people changes. But I'm sure that that, that venues take this into consideration. I'm sure that you know if you find a wedding venue, it's not like it's their first wedding. Yeah, my recollection, and not to say that that Britain works the same way, but my recollection is um, in America, most wedding venues, the venue is a flat rate based on day and, you know, like Saturdays are always more expensive than Sundays, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's everything else, isn't it? Right. That makes sense. The hiring of the room is the same no matter how many people are there because mm -hmm. the room is the room, right? Right. And then it's the per head stuff continues after that point, I guess. Right. The big thing is liquor and food. Like any consumable Mm -hmm. is where it typically gets to be per person. And what in in my experience, what ended up happening was like a week or two before the wedding, you had to lock in. No, really, this is the the maximum number of people that will that will show up, and thus the venue or or the caterer or what have you will make let's say seventy meals. So you can yeah. have sixty. That's fine. You're still paying for seventy. But if you have seventy one, you have a problem. You know, yeah, <laughs> so, food. Someone's someone's cutting a plate in half. Right. Exactly. So that's exciting. Um, there's a lot that goes into, and we don't we don't need to make this into the accidental wedding podcast. But there's a lot that goes into figuring out a wedding venue. And, and the four of us actually spoke about this at the underscores briefly. And 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 if you've never been married, um, or 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 perhaps just never really thought about this because you had a smaller wedding or something, um. There's a lot that goes into picking, you know, the place that the actual wedding itself happens, which a lot of people want that to be some sort of religious place like a church or a synagogue or something like that. Um, There's also a ton of thought that has to go into the reception venue, which is where the big party is. And... That gets to be interesting because especially when you have a bunch of people coming in from out of town, you want to get you you want to do something that's uh, reachable by a local airport. You want to do something that's not in the middle of nowhere or alternatively, you want to be able to provide transportation to the middle of nowhere. Uh, you you typically, especially uh, domestic weddings, you know, it's often that people will drive to the venue and then drive to the reception and then drive to hotels. So mm-hmm. then that begs the question, well, should you just have the reception be at a hotel so everyone one can drink you know heavily and then just stumble their way to their rooms all sorts of pros and cons go into this it's it's terrifying and exciting it's miserable and it's wonderful and that's pretty much the way the next year and a half of your life is going to be so here's even our current thinking i'd love to If, if you're willing to share i'd love to yeah yeah um so we were considering um a church 
it's it's something that Adina is is more keen on than me. Not that I'm against it, but like I I could go either way with it to be honest, and and I would be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have decided that what we're going to try and do is have everything in one place, um, because we have people. Not necessarily just people from out of town, but people from out of town who can't speak the language mm. that will be attending this thing. And mm-hmm. we don't want to be dealing with that. So if people just have to go from one room to the next room, it makes all of that stuff a lot easier. Um, so we're thinking just one one place. We found a venue that we like. Like This is a place that we'd seen a while ago, um, not too long ago, which actually sparked the discussion of trying to look a bit more because we'd seen this place like, oh, that's an interesting place to have a wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and we found a couple of others that we quite like the look of online. So we're just kind of working through some of that sort of stuff right now. But these are all places that would that have multiple rooms, right? So that you'd be able to have the ceremony in one room and then you'd move over and have the reception in the next room. Yep. yep. Um, we, ha- we are planning to do it uh, relatively close to home. Um, basically in London, in South London, because it will be easier for us to do it that way. And we've decided to go for London and not the countryside because we want to be able to give people access to a vast potential array of places to stay across Mm -hmm. all different price points. Mm -hmm. Again, people will be traveling far to come to this thing. So like, if we do it in London, we can just be like, here are some close hotels, but you know what? Just stay wherever you want because you can get you can get into central London in 25, 30 minutes. Like, right. you're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the thinking that we're taking on it. And then people can just make their own way. And, um, I mean, I, don't, I assume this is probably the same in America, but comparative to par- most parties, weddings end pretty early in the UK. I mean, you kind of look in it between 11 a.m. and 12 p.m. to 1 a.m. usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that kind of time, it's still very possible um, for people to even take public transport um, and get back to their hotels. So, yeah, um, you haven't asked for my advice, but since you've now talked about this very discussion, as someone who's who did a a I wouldn't call it a destination wedding. It was not not near to the level that yours is. But most of my family was from out of town. Almost actually, basically all of my family was from out of town. And and most, but not all of Aaron's family was in Richmond. We got married here in Richmond, and I cannot stress enough that for that kind of a situation, I personally think that what you're describing is the perfect way to handle it because that's exactly what we did, and it worked amazingly well mm-hmm. it was like a little complex and had three buildings and basically we got married um in the little courtyard in the center of these three buildings the reception was uh it was like imagine a big u right and so the reception was on the right hand side the hotel the hotel was on the left hand side and then like you know a general building was kind of at the bottom of the u and so all you had to do when you went to the wedding is you sat in the center uh to do the wedding part the cocktail hour and whatnot was on the right hand side and then after that in a different room was the reception and then when you were half blitzed and needed to go home you just walked across the courtyard to the building on the left hand side and passed out in bed and it made it so much easier for everyone 
that was ideally what we wanted to do, but we can't do that. Yeah, right? I mean, like, it, we, yeah. we can't we can't do the all in one place because it's like you have one choice of accommodation. Sure, and and that that isn't something that we're able to do. So even if the, even if it's you know walkable or you can you can find a car to take you there very quickly, you know, like a lift or something like that. Um, it, it it's still <laughs> we don't have lift here. You know, that? Oh, really? we don't have lift. No, we don't have it. Oh, this is this is actually an issue that I'm having right now in trying to find Uber alternatives. Hmm. Is that it's like get a call a minicab company Ugh. or get a bus. Ugh. There are some. There are some. Uh, looks like I've, I've been kind of digging around, and there. I think there might be some alternatives. There's a company called Addison Lee, which is like a little bit more on the expensive side because um, it's like technically a car hire company, but. Um, they they do that they do their thing right like you know you you can call it by an app and it picks you up like in an uber like experience and then there are things like halo and an app called get which are like taxi applications like they offer black cabs mm-hmm. but they they kind of have some of that uberness baked into them right the convenience factor so uh, i'm poking around with some of these right now but yeah i wish we had lyft Mm. Uh, I, I actually have yet to try Lyft because the last time I needed that sort of a thing, it was before we all realized that Uber is a total cesspool. So I figure um, probably at WWDC, if I end up going, which I plan to, that, that'll be my first Lyft experience, I would guess. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, best of luck with wedding planning. Obviously, you know where to find me if you want uh, solicited and unsolicited advice, because I'll be giving you both. Um, but no, this this is exciting, if also terrifying and stressful. So enjoy it don't get don't take it too seriously but take it seriously and have fun thank you thank you <laughs> that was totally that was totally uh, clear as mud but you'll you'll get there yeah i'm sure i'll work it out um i don't know when we're going to do a lot of this stuff though because i am about to embark on <sighs> An intense travel period. I have had um, times like this over the last couple of years where I've taken a bunch of trips in a short space of time. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've taken this many trips. Um, I think I have uh, four weekends. Yeah, four weekends in a row where I will be out of the country on right. four different trips. My goodness. So do you need a new passport yet just by virtue of having filled it? I, it was a recent time that I came into the U.S. and the guy was just like flicking through the pages with the stamps on, and he's like, "You come here a lot, don't you?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yes." <laughs> like I didn't really know how to answer that question. Uh, I mean, yeah, I do. You can see it, but um, so I guess it starts off with a uh, not a trip, but like the the inverse of a trip. We have friends visiting on at the end of March. Wait, I am. I wish. Anytime. <laughs> you just show up. I've got a big sofa. It's a nice, comfortable bed that it turns into. It's, it's ready whenever you need it. Wonderful. So we'll be busy with that, doing some sightseeing and stuff. Um, then we have like just some family stuff the weekend after that. And then the second weekend of April, I will be um, in Ireland for all, which mm. I would just mention, nobody asked me to do this. But if you are thinking about going to all and you haven't got a ticket for all, I recommend getting a ticket for all. Um, the lineup is so good this time. Um, I'm very, very excited about it, and I'm very much looking forward to it. And uh, I think that, that 
listeners of this show would enjoy it. This just uh, continues in the trend that I've had over the last many years we've done this show in recommending that people go to this conference. So again, I will recommend that people go to this conference. So I'm going to be there. I mean, that's the best part of a week um, with the way that I'm going to do it. Like I'm doing the whole thing with like like the days on the other side of it and stuff, like making a trip out of it. I'm very excited. It's like my favorite, one of my favorite things to do every year. So I've been going to all, and then uh, I think, yeah, I'm back. I arrive back, and then the very next, I arrive back one evening, the very next morning, uh, we are going to Adina's hometown for Easter. Oh, my. It's a place called Bottershine, it is called. It is spelled B-O-T-O-S-A-N-I. Yeah, I would not have gotten that pronunciation from those letters. Yeah, there's an accent in one of there, but it still doesn't help. But I mean, <laughs> they, they get in that, but there's an accent in there. Uh, so we're going there for for Easter. Um, so that that's a kind of a, a, a long weekend trip. We get back on the Monday, I think. Yeah, on the Monday. Uh, then on I think the Wednesday or the Thursday, uh, I fly out to Atlanta. All right. For, for the Atlanta Pen Show, the first stop on the Pen Addict North American tour. Uh, and then um, I arrive back home, and then a couple of days later, we're going back to Romania. Uh, we're going to Bucharest, and we're going for uh, Adina's niece's baptism. Oh, that's awesome. So that is a that is a busy, busy couple of weeks for me right there yeah it certainly is are you looking forward to this or are yes. you dreading it no i don't dread it i mean i've planned right it's planned as much as i can right like i i'm able to take these trips some of them like, like two of these trips i i am able to do them in such a way that i plan them around having the minimum amount of impact mm-hmm. on my work like i move stuff around or I make sure I come back. Like Atlanta, I think it's Thursday to Sunday, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a long flight. Like it is a deceptively long flight. Atlanta is something like a nine hour flight. Yeah, because you got to go pretty far south. Yeah, yeah, and that's for it's obvious. Yeah, so that's a, that's a big flight. But I, I because it's Eastern time, I I can do it without too much disruption on me either way. Mm-hmm. Right on my sleeping, so like I just I constrain that trip quite significantly, so then I'm able to kind of just bounce back into work again. Yeah, that that's, that works out nicely. I mean, I think Atlanta from Richmond by plane is all, like almost two hours or something like that, and that's yeah, just so. down down the East Coast. I mean, this isn't like going across the pond. So uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's not an insignificant flight for you. Nope, but uh, I'm looking forward to all of it. And I didn't, I didn't really have a reason for bringing it up. Just I just wanted to mention it. I mean, it, this is Mike's month of travel. So does that mean you and I need to find a pinch hitter for one of these weeks, I guess? We definitely do not, my friend. Ooh. I'm so say I plan around all of this stuff. No, I'm very impressed. Plan around it all. So, like, your uh, this show is is falling quite nicely within it all. Like, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fine. You got nothing to worry about. Excellent. I will use this discussion of travel, though, to uh, segue quite nicely into our first sponsor. And I did make them the first sponsor today because it segued so nicely. And that is Away. <laughs> away make luggage with a simple thought in mind. They believe that it shouldn't cost more than your plane ticket. Oh, that's such a good tagline. 
It's great, right? It's true, though, right? This is why they make premium suitcases with fantastic features for under $300. Go to awaytravel.com slash analog and you'll be able to peruse Away's collection. They're all made with premium German polycarbonate. If it's German, you know it's made well, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance while still remaining lightweight. They offer four sizes of suitcase, the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, and the large. They even have almost German-like naming. It's so efficient. (laughs) Carry-on, bigger carry-on, medium, large. They also have nine fantastic colors for you to choose from. The interior of the Way suitcase features a patent-pending compression system, which is super helpful if you're an overpacker. All of Away's carry-ons as well, both of the models of carry-ons, are compliant with all major U.S. airlines while still maximizing the amount that you can pack, so you can still get it in that overhead compartment. All Away cases feature four 360-degree spinner wheels. Four wheels, so much better than two wheels. It's more than twice as good. Uh, They have TSA combination locks built in. I get this a lot, Casey. Um, The TSA loves to check my bag. Well, I mean, how could they not look at you? My ch- every every trip, the I think every trip, maybe out of the last four or five trips from the U.S. where I've come home, I've had that. Hey, we just had to look in your bag. I have that little slip that mm-hmm. they put in there. Mm-hmm. I will say that that they're. It never looks like it's been done. So even though I hate the fact that they've been all up in my business, they don't like mess <laughs> everything up. You know, they, yeah, yeah. They, they seem to be uh, they seem to be relatively nice to my luggage anyway. Uh, anywho, going back to away, all of away's cases. One of my favorite features has a removable washable laundry bag in them as well. So I always get this right. You're in like a, a hotel and and you, you where do you put the clothes that would usually go in the hamper? Like, do you just put them back in the case? But then what if you want to pack stuff that you didn't wear? Maybe you go into more than one place. No, you have this little bag. It's in the case, in the away case. It's a washable laundry bag. You just put it all in the laundry bag. It's awesome. But, of course, the best feature of the away suitcase is that it comes with an integrated USB power brick. Both of their carry-on feature USB ports so you can charge on devices whilst traveling. And a single charge of the away carry-on can provide enough battery to charge your phone five times. Away believe in the quality of their products. That's why they offer a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they'll fix it or replace it for life. And you have a 100-day trial too. Live with it, travel with it. And if you don't like it, you'll be able to return it for a full refund. No questions asked. I absolutely love my Away suitcase. If you have travel coming up in the near future, check out their products. The carry-on is what I have, and I absolutely adore that thing. Travel smarter with the suitcase that charges your phone. To find out more about Away, go to awaytravel.com slash analog, and if you use the code analog at checkout, you'll get $20 off any of their suitcases. That's awaytravel.com slash analog, and the code analog for $20 off. They also have retail stores that you can visit in New York, LA, and London as well. Thank you so much to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, so as we have seemed to fallen into a bit of a routine on this show, we have pushed off a large portion of Relay Your Feels because we just had other things going on and other things we we really wanted to talk about. But now we have hit a lull in our lives in a good way because no news is kind of good news in that regard. And we are going to clear out a large portion of our Relay Your Feels backlog. So this is going to be... Uh, mostly really your feels from here on out and we'll see how rapid fire it ends up being but let's go ahead and dive in uh how, how would you pronounce this name 
<laughs> this is Bastian. Okay. Now, Bastian's question, I decided to take a relay of fills and turn it into a mini-topic. Ooh, you sly Bastian's w. question was, has Mike ever considered learning to program? Hmm. I listened to the Accidental Tech Podcast. <laughs> it has been in the past one of my favorite shows. Oh, that um, cuts deep. That cuts so deep, Michael. One oh. of my favorite things about ATP um, is when every now and then, you know, maybe Marco might say, oh, and there was this really good thing on Upgrade this week. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I love it. I love it when, when people who I respect, they, they talk about my shows. But then every now and then... <laughs> Something happens, <laughs> and uh, this week's show featured, uh, or the, the past week's show featured two back-to-back Mike is Wrong segments, <laughs> and I don't really know what I did to deserve this. I think um, you were wrong. <laughs> But they happened anyway. Uh, I would like to point people to um, Upgrade, the previous episode of Upgrade. I don't know if you've heard it yet, um, but me and Jason have a, a good discussion uh, about the idea of windowing and and what a bigger iOS device could need and what that could mean. So I don't really want to get into all of that stuff. Uh, I feel like I have addressed all of my points that I need to address there. Uh, because I'm, I really, I really just don't want to get into a big back and forth again. I just, I don't want to do it. Uh, I wasn't going to say anything, but Jason really wanted to. But mm-hmm. I do want to talk about the second of the two Mike is wrong segments here. But this, and this segment, I think, was a lot more flattering. The first one I could understand oh, yeah. you being a little uh, grumpy about, but this one I mm-hmm. think was, it was a Mike was wrong, but. It, it, like the backhanded compliment version right, of so Mike here's, is wrong. Here's the difference between the two of them, right? Number one was Mike doesn't know what he's talking about, <laughs> and he's a knucklehead. <laughs> <clears throat> the second was like, oh, little Mikey. Yeah, that's you know, true. That actually. kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's absolutely true. And they're both, you know, they're both they both are what they are. Uh, now, the, the the discussion was that, and I can't even remember how this came up. Yeah, I don't either. But there was a discussion about um, whether web automation and apps like Workflow are programming or not. And I've been talking on wherever I can about how I am becoming more interested in using automation tools, whether they are tools like IFTTT, Zapier, which I found out recently is Zapier, not Zapier. Um, apparently it's Zapier like Happier. That is what the company says. Um, and also Workflow.app. Uh, I, I really like these tools. It's becoming like a little bit of a hobby of mine um, to, to think about these things. And both you and Marco were kind of spearheading this conversation of saying like, of course Mike's a programmer because these are programming tools. And the thing is, I, you know what it is? And, and it's just, just hit me in my brain right now. I don't really separate programmer and developer. And I think it's very clear that what I am doing is not development, right? Like, this is not development. What is the difference then? Because to me, they're pretty much the same thing. Okay, well, I don't know. I mean, I assume like a developer writes code. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. But all I know is I don't do what you do. What I'm doing is nothing 
like it. That's like, so not that's that's wrong. Hashtag Mike is wrong. All right. It, well, then we need similar. to go through this. Okay. So let me let me give my side sure, because you've sure, already sure. given yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no concept of of understanding what you do. What I am doing is I do a couple of things. I either I'm taking workflows from other people mostly and tweaking them or taking workflows from other people looking at them and being like okay that is how i can make my thing that i'm trying to do do this or i'm choosing actions from drop down boxes flipping switches or selecting from a list of predetermined actions Mm -hmm. so i get the idea that this is a similar mindset to what it takes to be a programmer or a developer but the actions of what I'm doing, and I understand the hypercard uh, argument as well, but the I believe that the actions of what I'm doing is, is so far away from what you do. Like, I don't think that the learning curve is comfortable. Like, I don't think that I could keep going down this route and just fall into what you do. Like, Federico's way closer, but he read a bunch of Python books. Right, like he did a lot of the traditional route to programming to get to where he is. Right, so now he did a lot of the like I, I think as well as like doing that, he did like some fundamentals of programming, which kind of has helped him along understanding web APIs and stuff like that. And again, like when I'm talking about doing things with web APIs, it's like I'm doing stuff with the tools that are built on top of the web APIs to make them talk to each other, like. I really just do not see these two things as being the same. And I know what you're going to say, and I know the arguments because I've heard your arguments, right? And I hear them, and I'm like, I can see why you think that. But, like, me personally, like, I just cannot feel at all like I'm anywhere near the type of thing that you and Marco and John are doing. Like, it just seems like... It seems like two massively different things. Like, that they are that they are... Cut from the same cloth, maybe, but they are hugely different. So different that they shouldn't be given the same name. I I understand what you're saying. So the the the, the thing about it is is that I am we're both walking down the same road, but I'm further down the road. Like I feel like I am an automator, not a programmer. Yeah, I think I just wish that Apple hadn't made that app because then I would use this. I might, yeah, I might just. I'm going to call up this term now that what I am doing is automation, not programming. So I am an automator. I am connecting applications together. I am taking the work of other people, smushing them together. Like I'm, I'm plugging boxes. I'm flipping switches. Like, and 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 I get the like, and, and again, do you know what? Even the stuff that I'm doing is problem solving, right? Like it's puzzles, but I don't think that like just innate problem solving is programming. Like I'm, I'm just that's get- everything that programming is. No, but like not all problem solving is programming. Like yes, but programming all- is problem solving. Mm-hmm. I get that, but not all problem solving is programming. Sure, but all of programming is automation. I'm serious. I, I, I'm, Explain I, that to me. Explain it to me, because look, this is the other thing: is I don't, I don't, I don't know what you do, right? Like in my mind, you're sitting there and you're just writing. 
and that's sort of true. Okay, so let me let me. Uh, so uh, the way I love to try to explain things, which would make me a terrible teacher, and as the husband of a teacher drives her insane. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go to my old faithful uh, trick, and and we'll see if this works. Let me use an analogy. Uh, what is the gentleman's name that did? Um, uh, Scott it's Pilton a terrible start for your Just, analogy, but that's Edgar Wright. Are you yes. looking for for the movie director? Yeah, yep. Edgar Wright, W R I G H T. Edgar Wright, yeah. Okay. Edgar Wright, yeah. yep. Okay, so Edgar Wright can take a series of different scenes and different clips and put them together to make a two-hour movie, and he does this with a talent that few have. Is that fair to say so far? Yeah. What's the difference between him and you and your YouTube channel? Obviously, duration, and I'm not trying to be snarky. I'm really asking because it's obviously duration is different, but in essence, it's the same thing. It's just bigger, better, stronger, more, right? No. Why? Because he understands a lot of the fundamentals of film. He knows a lot more of the technical eh, terms. Sure, but he that's is whatever. able to to put things together in in a grander and more interesting way than I am, and also from an original perspective. So, like. You've actually given me a nice analogy here. So all of the stuff that I'm doing on my YouTube channel right now is me emulating the work of others that I enjoy. Like I am using people for inspiration to create things my way. So when I made my video about the the Nintendo Switch, mm-hmm. I was using I was you know I was using tricks and skills and things like that that I've seen or at least I believe I could have an idea how they're done from my favorite tech YouTubers, right? So, like, I was I was using things that I've seen there and, like, things that have become the norm or standard there. But what I didn't do was create anything original in my filmmaking, like somebody like an MKBHD or an Austin Evans would. Like, they're people that I look up to, and it's their work that I'm trying to to emulate so I can get an idea of what it takes to make something myself, like, completely originally. Um, And that's how I see what I'm doing with something like Workflow. Somebody's already done the work, and I am emulating it. I am building on it. I am using their work as a way to do something for myself. But I'm not actually contributing anything original. I understand why you're getting hung, hung up on this. And if the roles were reversed, this conversation would be identical, except it would be you know the other one taking the other side. The thing of it is, is that, first of all, everything is a remix. And if you haven't, and I'm saying both saying this both to you, Mike, and you, the audience, if you've never seen that um, series by Kirby Ferguson, it's phenomenal. Uh, and everything is a remix. And I mean that both in the ha-ha way, but also in the serious way. So you could say that I am only remixing the work of others. Because really, to write a computer program, really and truly write a computer program, you need to be writing ones and zeros. The stuff I write does eventually get translated into ones and zeros, but I'm building upon the work of many, many, many other people. And there's many, 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 many layers between me and the ones and the zeros. But there are people that will write code that is a direct translation to ones and zeros, where the, where the code MOV for move is, and I'm making this up, 1101101. Like, literally, it is a direct translation. It's just that they have, like, a, a cheat system where they know that MOV equals whatever string of ones and zeros I just said. Does that make sense? So, like, there are people that are 
directly off the processor. And I am so far removed from that, it's almost not even in the same universe. But I'm just as much a developer as the person doing the the MOVs and the 1110111. It's just that I have a lot of layers in between me and, and the processor. You are doing the same sort of thing I'm doing. It's maybe not identical. It's, it's, a, it's a different part of the spectrum, but it's still on the spectrum. I agree with you that Federico is closer to me than you are, but you're both still on the spectrum. And I think you're, you're doing yourself a disservice by saying, no, that can't be me. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not knowledgeable enough. I don't know the right terms. Yeah, it, I don't know half the right terms. The, the, the deep secret, the dirty secret of development is that most of being a good developer is just knowing how to put pieces together in a way that works. And that means looking at Google. It means looking at Stack Overflow. It means taking stuff that somebody else has done, tweaking it a little bit to fit your exact scenario, and shipping it into production. That's what being a developer is. That doesn't mean I don't ever come up with original thoughts. It doesn't mean I don't ever face original or interesting problems. But what it does mean is, I'm doing the same thing that you're doing with workflow, just in a slightly more nerdy and slightly less accessible way. But it's the same stuff. And so you shouldn't, I, I mean, we can, we can let it go after you have a chance to respond because we can just go round and round and round about this. But it's, it, to me, it's so obviously the same spectrum. I concur it's not the same, uh, air quote, amount, but it's just different points on the same spectrum. In the same way to me, I feel like your YouTube videos are on the same spectrum as Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Admittedly, very different end of the spectrum, but on the same spectrum. And, and you're closer to an MKBHD or a Casey Neistat than you are an Edgar Wright, but you're all on on the spectrum. And, and to me, it's so clear and it, it's frustrating and, and also kind of funny that, that you see it so differently. And it's all, and it's a little, um, I guess frustrating that, that you seem to be putting like Marco and me and John and, and even Federico on a pedestal. Cause we're no different than you. We're just, we're doing almost the same stuff, just slightly less accessible versions of it. Anyway, uh, that, that's my, my speech. I want you to have a chance to respond and then we should move on before we get uh, wrapped around the axle. Programming and development is a creative profession. Like it is a, it is a professional thing. It is a creative thing. It is something that takes experience and knowledge. And I just do not see myself at that point. Like I am literally just tinkering around. It's like, <laughs> it's like saying that Declan does Declan play with Legos? A little bit, yeah. Duplos, but yeah. He is an architect. He is. He's just on a way, way uh, near end right. of the spectrum. But the thing is, is like I know you're, what saying, you're saying that, but like saying. nobody believes that, right? But no, that's no, no. how I, I feel, right? Like mm -hmm. he is just starting to play with Legos. Mm -hmm. And in fact, he has started with Duplo, right? Like he is on the big chunky blocks that I am at that level for programming. Yeah. So I do not consider myself a programmer. I completely understand and can see all of the logic in the arguments that you are making, but it does not make sense for me. Like it, it just, it, mm. I am not comfortable to consider myself at that level. That's all I want to say. Yeah. And to answer Bastian's question, no, not really. I've never considered learning programming, like an actual programming language. Um, it's way more work than I have time or desire for, honestly. Like, it's just not... It, it it doesn't turn me on in that way, right? Like, I'm not interested in learning Swift right now when there are other things that I would like to do instead. And one of those things is web automation because I find it more fun because it's easier. 
it is easier, right? Like it's like categorically, like building things in workflow is easier than learning Swift. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of the the route that I'm going on with that. Like, I'm not interested right now in doing something like a Swift, uh, but I am interested in web automation. So before we move on, I just wanted to say real quick that I use the phrasing on the spectrum, and I'm not trying to imply anything there. I'm just saying there's a range. That's all. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I, I think most people would, would get that for sure. But I appreciate you calling it out. That's this is this is the growing of Casey List. Right? <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Uh, Joe asks, "Do you use the same profile pictures everywhere? What are you looking for your picture to convey about you? Would you like to start, or shall I?" I use mostly the same photo everywhere. Um, the only place that I use a different picture, a different avatar, is on YouTube, where I use a cartoon version of me, um, which was created for a sticker, because it's just for a little bit of variance, and also my actual face is on YouTube <laughs> basically all the time. So like, I feel like a picture of my face is less needed. Um, everywhere else I use uh, a picture. I really like my current photo, um, it is what I was looking for, which was a more serious photo and a more, uh, but, um, but I miss my laughing picture. <laughs> I do miss it. Uh, I wanted to be more serious for a while, just as I was thinking about some career stuff, but I do miss the fact that I laugh at everything, but it was the fact that everything I was saying looked like I was laughing about it was part of the reason why I changed it. Uh, but I do miss, I do miss my laughing photo. I wish it was possible for me to have different avatars in different contexts. So like when I'm tweeting, it's it's serious face, but when I'm like liking something or faving something, it's laughing face, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, I wish that was possible. Yeah, I use um the same image pretty much everywhere. For the last several years, I um used the headshot that I got through work. Um for whatever reason they would pay about once a year to have headshots done of all the consultants. Uh naturally that's not the case anymore. Um so a few months ago I started using a picture that Aaron took of me when we were uh pumpkin picking and I just think it's a really good picture of me. I like that I, I like to have an avatar or a profile picture that clearly shows my face but yet shows me happy in some way because I like to think of myself as a reasonably happy guy and so I like something that's clear even when it's small but yet happy I don't know it's very very fuzzy but I don't know how else to describe it and yes I try to use the same the same image pretty pretty much everywhere and I'll probably update it about once a year I like the the, the pumpkin patch photo because you're more than just a corporate Casey yeah yeah and that, that's part of the reason I liked it too Andrea asked, after hearing uh, you two discuss Jelly Belly and Jelly Babies quite a while ago <laughs> uh, on a previous episode, I'd be interested to know what some of your favorite chocolates or sweets are. So for me, chocolate, there is only one chocolate, which is dairy milk. Come at me. Um, I especially like the Oreo dairy milk, which is a relatively new one. I also like um, dairy milk caramel. Uh, i also a big fan. From the sweets perspective... Um, I enjoy Mauam Pimbles. Uh, they're a fan favorite right now. Percy Pigs and Haribo. So I know that this only means something to a few people, but um, it is what it is. When I was 13, and I think I've told this story 
in the past. Uh, my my paternal grandmother and I, who were pretty close, um, especially when I was a little bit younger, uh, my grandmother decided, this is my nan, uh, decided that I would never want to talk to her again once I'm a teenager. I'm the eldest grandkid. And so we should go on a big trip. And we went on a trip to London and Paris. And uh, one of the places we went was Stratford-upon-Avon. And when we were there, I just happened to pick up a Cadbury's Dairy Milk <laughs> chocolate bar. And it was the biggest mistake uh-huh. I've ever made in my life. Because once I sank my teeth into a Cadbury's Dairy Milk chocolate bar, I realized that the Hershey's bullshit I'd been eating all my life was terrible and, and a, waste of, a waste of calories. So if I was just going to pick up a piece of chocolate... It would have to be Cadbury's Dairy Milk. Now, if you are an American and you say, oh, I've seen these blue wrappers. They look delicious. I should try them. Be careful, my friends, because Hershey's will, I was going to say white label, but I guess in this case, blue label their own chocolate as Cadbury's. And that is not acceptable. You have to go to like a Whole Foods or a, um, oh, shoot, I can't remember the name of the other store, but there's another store that's similar to like a Whole Foods, but it's uh, also furniture and things like that. Anyway, there there are places that will import the one true yeah, You want the real bar. deal imported oh, stuff. Yes. That's what you want. Yep, absolutely. Um, if I'm not having Cadbury's Dairy Milk, um, uh, World Market. Thank you, Doug Beal. Um, that, that's what I was thinking of. Uh, anyway, uh, if I'm not having uh, Cadbury's Dairy Milk, I am having a Kit Kat, which I quite like. Uh, I have also in the past loved... Nestle Crunch, uh, especially chilled, are delicious. I have loved um, Three Musketeers when I was much younger. And I definitely quite like uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, although I'm still, to this day, working on the the like five-pound tub I got at Halloween. Of, uh, That's in the good, factory. though. Yeah, it is a good thing in the grand scheme of things. But You should still be working <laughs> on the five-pound tub of chocolate and peanut butter that you got in October. Yes, that is true. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember if it was actually five pounds, but it, it was quite a lot. So, yeah, I'm still working on that. But, yeah, I would say, uh, in summary, Dairy Milk or Kit Kats. That's where it's at. Lucas asks, does it feel weird knowing that there's always always someone somewhere in the world listening to your voice? Uh, yes. I would prefer to know if that was true. Yeah, that would be awesome, actually. Like, I want that to be the case. You know, the sun never sets on Mike Hurley's voice. Yeah, that would be pretty pretty awesome if we could demonstrably prove that. You know where that fr- where that phrase that I just kind of co-opted, you know what that is? You know where that comes from? The sun never sets on something. The sun never sets on the British Empire. Uh, I, I just it does it. now because the British Empire doesn't exist anymore. But <laughs> um, as terrible as as that was as a thing, right? The British Empire, like it was, it was terrible. It is one of the most beautiful historical phrases. It's one of my favorites, anyway. Just just the the romance in that phrase is is quite nice to me. You know, if you take out all of the bad stuff, um, but the the sun never setting on the British Empire. It's kind, of, it's kind of beautiful. So, yes, I would love it if the sun never sat on my voice and then it was listened to around the world, 24-7, worldwide, always on. <laughs> I was Mike about Hurley. to ask, what was that stupid tagline? Do they still use that? Probably. I, 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 I don't listen to Beats 1 anymore. Okay. I was so excited for that, but then realized why I stopped listening to radio in the first place. Mm-hmm. Hey, you, know what, uh, you know what does not disappoint like Beats 1 did? Squarespace? Yep, that's right. Nailed it. Good look at you. Look God, at I'm you good. Now. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter the offer code FEELS at checkout and you will get a lovely 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. With a unique domain name, award-winning templates and more, they let you easily create that website for your next idea. Maybe you want to create a blog to detail your favorite suites. Maybe you want to create a portfolio to show off your design work. An online store to sell your physical or digital goods. No matter what it is, you're looking to create a website about and for. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. You don't have to worry about having to install anything, having to update any patches or worry about any of that stuff. And you don't need to have any upgrades either. Squarespace have got it all covered. It's nothing for you to worry about. And even more so, they have 24-7 customer support if you need any help. Their award-winning templates are beautifully designed. They all uh, feature responsive design so it'll look great on all sizes of device and it's really easy to customize them all as well with their drag and drop WYSIWYG what you see is what you get interface they also let you easily grab a unique domain name as well I say the word easy and quick a lot when I talk about Squarespace because it is all of those things and if you want to find out how easy and quick Squarespace is you can go and sign up for a trial with no credit card needed by going to squarespace.com so you can dig in and try it out for free and really get a feel for it. You can set up your entire website on Squarespace before you even sign up for a plan. You can customize the whole thing. You can have it all ready to go. So when you do sign up for a plan, you just switch it on. Their plans start at just $12 a month, and you can get 10% off your first purchase with the offer code FEELS at checkout, and you'll also be supporting Analog as well. Supporting Analog as well, I should say. Thank you so much to Squarespace for their support of this show. Squarespace... Make your next move. Make your next website. All right. So continuing the Relay Your Feels, a different Lucas asks, uh, what was your dream job when you were at elementary school? And Mike wrote in the show notes, how old is elementary school? <laughs> so, I don't know elementary school. Yeah. So um, my recollection, I'm probably slightly wrong about this, and, and it's okay if I am, but this will get us close. Uh, elementary school is roughly ages 5 through 12, middle school roughly 12 through 15, high school roughly 15 through 18, and college, or what you would call university, 18 through 22. So that means roughly ages 5 through 12. What did you want to do, Mike? I wanted to be a teacher. That is adorable. Didn't we just talk about this recently? No, you listened to me talk about it on another show. Ah, which show was that? That was on Cortex. Ah, that's right. And I believe so I said I included that. this because even though I've already answered it, I wanted to know what your answer was. You know, I don't remember anything specific. I guess a developer, actually. I just knew I wanted to do something with computers. I've always loved computers since I can remember. And so I just wanted to do something with computers. And, and I guess that... Um, that that was probably writing some sort of software, something like that. Kevin asked, final thoughts on Grand Tour Series 1? <sighs> I'm so torn. There were the highest highs and the lowest lows. Um, it, it's tough because... I feel like the opening of the very first episode of, of the Grand Tour, it, that first five to ten minutes, to me, was literally, as we joked about last episode, uh, literally perfect. I think it, it could not have been done better. 
And then everything after that was a total dumpster fire. <laughs> um, I, I think that it did get better toward the end. I think it was pretty rough. I have not gone back to Top Gear season one to remind myself how freaking rough that was. But I will say that um, the rebooted Top Gear series 23, so the one that ended a, a couple of months ago, that had rough moments for sure, but on the whole might have been better than the first series of Grand Tour. I really hope that the second series of Grand Tour changes a bunch of things. I know, Mike... Wait, the, the Chris Evans Top Gear, mm-hmm. you think, was better than the Grand Tour? Toward the end, it got pretty decent, yeah. Wow. That's damning, yeah. because you freaking hated it, along with every other, every other American in the world, right? Yeah. Well, the beginning was abysmally bad, but I really think that they pulled out of their dive a lot better than Grand Tour did. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I hope that the next season of Grand Tour does better. Um, I think later in the show we might Is talk about- Is that going to be another one? Yeah, yeah. I think they're-, they're contracted for like three or something like that yeah Um, i mean they're never gonna do a one and done were they really so i think later in this episode we're going to talk about top gear uh because there's a new season that just started in the last couple of weeks and so i have some thoughts on that but i don't know i i think the first season of grand tour is worth watching but you should not have the expectations i had which was basically for top gear but maybe even better it isn't it is not top gear and it is definitely worse i think it's watchable but it is definitely worse than the Top Gear that the three of them used to do that we all knew and loved. What did you think? Did, did you even watch any of them other than the first? No, I, I, I didn't go back on, on what I said, which was that I fell out of them and then I was really unhappy with some of the stuff that was being said by them on, on subsequent episodes mm-hmm. and that they fell victim to exactly what my number one fear was for the show which was that the BBC were actually holding them back in a good way and yep. that without yep. the constraint of the BBC, um, the show would be a train wreck. Yep. And uh, by my standards, just from reading what I've read and seeing the clips that I've seen, it ended up being a train wreck. Yeah, it was it was definitely rough. Um, which is really know. disappointing to me. Very, very disappointing. Yeah, me too. I mean, I was looking forward to this more than just about anything. And like I said, that opening of the first episode, I I was almost in tears. I was not literally in tears, but I was almost in tears. It was so unbelievably beautifully done. Mm -hmm. And then everything after, like, I mean, I've watched that opening um, probably 20 or 30 times. I I just love it. And and I've shown it to Declan a bunch of times. I love it so much. But everything after that was so rough. Anyway, we can move on because I'm just going to start crying about how sad I am. Brian had two questions. Um, part one is, how do you feel about strangers trying to have a conversation with you on Twitter or to join in to an existing one? So people t- trying to have conversations with me, like, why, why, you know, I have no problem with that. Like, why would I have a problem with that, right? Like, it's kind of part of what Twitter is. And if there's a conversation I don't want to get involved in or I'm not at a time where I can get involved in a conversation... I can ignore it and nobody gets upset. Like, that's the beauty of Twitter, like, as a thing. Like, it's even less so than email. Like, it's non-committal. Like, if you tweet somebody and they don't reply to you, like, on the whole, like, you don't get upset about that, right? Like, it's 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 one of the things that I love about the medium. Um, it's why I like feedback and, and stuff to go through there. It's because I know that as well. Like, I feel... I feel less of an obligation to have to reply to something that maybe doesn't need a reply or I don't really want to reply to, etc. So I like it for that. For jumping into existing conversations, so a conversation between two people, I think context is everything for this type of thing. 
Um, and so, for example, like if people are being silly and messing around, like if me and Casey are making jokes at each other, like we're we're throwing jokes at each other. I think that's like, I think that's fair game because we're we're kind of like performing like in public kind of thing. Yeah, like if, can I if can, can I jump in here because I think yeah. I have the perfect example. So, uh, just last night I uh, shaved for the first time in like a week, and because I'm a jerk, I tweeted at you. Um, and then I think I copied Snell on it that I was listening to you while mm-hmm. I was shaving. And I did that partially because I thought it was hysterical and it, and it was just funny to me that that it wasn't deliberate. It just worked out that way. Um, but I, but, but I bring this up because I said that on Twitter and not in, in Slack, because even though I do stand by that, that me on Twitter is me, it's still to some degree like the performance art side of my personality if that makes sense and so doing that on twitter was a deliberate choice and it was me trying to be funny in public to the people that follow both of us does that make sense so i, I feel yeah, you, like you were you were making a joke you were making an in joke you were right, making a exactly, reference to the exactly. people that get this like you're going to enjoy this right. so feel free to get involved right exactly but i think that there are times where and it's really difficult to pin these down where where it's not so um it's not so appropriate. So, like, if there is a what seems to be like a, let's say, me and Casey are in a heated debate about something, maybe at that point, like, then it's not the kind of thing that that you jump in on, right? Mm-hmm. And and I don't think that these things happen so often. So I think that you know, if you can, if you feel like there's something is 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 a joke, if you feel like that there and you have something funny to say, uh, I would say to just to just go for it. Um, but all I would say is, if you think you're making a fairly obvious joke, make sure you're the first person to make that joke. <laughs> True. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you. Uh, there are definitely times that people can jump in on on something, and I'm just like, oh, no, th- this is not the moment. And And just like you said, it's hard to pin down. And I think... Generally speaking, the way to think of it is, is if you're doing it with an honest heart and you know if you are or not, then you're okay. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. But if you're doing it and you're like, well, I'm kind of trying to be a jerk. I'm being a funny jerk, but I'm a jerk. Kind of like I was, truth be told. But I can get away with it because we know each other and you know me enough to know. Yeah, well, I mean, I thought that you were being a jerk, so I didn't reply to you. I noticed that. That was not Mm -hmm. unnoticed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my replies, they are... They come with with uh, there's reasons. Mm-hmm. There's reasons. Oh yeah, I felt know, I, I, I felt the weight of your silence. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brian's and, second question was, "How do you feel about things like birthday wishes from strangers?" And I love it. Uh, I agree. I, I think it's really nice. I think that's why the whole like I've got some personal news tweet is a thing. You know, some personal news. Why that sort of tweet exists is because people like to be congratulated by mm-hmm. people on mass. Or, you know, like people want to share their good feelings with others. So yep. I, think I, that makes, I think that's perfect sense. I completely agree. Now, let me uh, now, let me let me correct you here. So this is actually a personal friend of mine. And uh, and actually, he's a neighbor who lives right down the road. Uh, we met because we worked at my last job together and then later subsequently realized that we are neighbors. Um, this is my friend, Stee, which is uh, short for Stephen. Uh, and you, and you've, you've brought him up in like Upgrade or something else before. And it's hysterical for me to hear you say stay, because that's probably what I would have said had I not known him. There should him. be two E's yeah. if he was to go by Stee. That's all I'm going to say on this matter. 
Fair enough. But anyway, so my buddy Steve said, uh, what would it what would it take to make Casey bring back the beard? And what would it take to make Mike Mike shave his? Uh, I will answer first. Uh, I am actually I should not admit this publicly kicking around the idea of letting it grow again. I I don't know. I want to make it through my birthday uh, before I even really think about it. And then I don't know if it's that I like laziness or if it's that I know that Aaron kind of liked it. Uh, In truth be told, I did get a lot of positive feedback about it. So I'm kicking the idea around. But at this point, I am noncommittal because it definitely was bothering me by the end of it. And I hear your subliminal messages. Sir, they are not. They are not very subliminal. If I can hear you, I almost feel Voldemort. Like mm-hmm. you know? I don't speak snake tongue or whatever it is. Uh, what would it take you to to, or what would it take to make you shave your beard, Mike? I can't think of literally any reason. Nothing I'm at all. No, serious. no Nothing. amount of money. You could. You wouldn't if you were offered. Oh no! But like, no amount of money is not the question here, right? I mean, everyone's got a price, as the million dollar man okay. Ted DiBiase used to say. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Casey Neistat is interested in meeting you, but he has this like utter dis- just hatred of facial hair. Do you shave it? Yeah, see, I th- that isn't a clear cut. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, wow. that's selling myself out for someone. Yeah, but it's Casey Neistat. You love that guy. Yeah, I do. But like, do I love the guy who's making me shave my beard because he wants to meet <laughs> me? I don't know if I like that guy. Fair enough. If Gray, right? had, if Gray had asked you to shave your beard, it, you, you, there would be no cortex right now. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I wouldn't do it. Like I'm not worth that. Like you know, you, you, you can't buy me like that. You buy me with real money, baby. That's all. Jason underscore underscore says in the chat, Kickstarter to buy Mike's beard. I hope he doesn't mean literally take the shavings and 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 distribute them. However, I mean that would be the reward, right? But <laughs> no, no, I'm not no. going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Uh, it's it might be worth it. And we'll, look, we'll look into it. If anyone I know, there's going to be someone say, "Would you do it for charity?" No, I would do other things for charity. I, 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 I do the the only thing that I can do for charity is not shave my face. I can do other things to raise money for charity. Um, uh, there is I am not interested in altering my appearance. Like it's it's not a thing that I want to do because facial hair has been a part of my life for like close to fifteen years now. So it is like. I I don't know. Like, would you uh, would you get a tattoo on your face for charity? That's I permanent. Don't know. So this uh, could be permanent for me. Mm. It's been a part of my life for fifteen years. There are more people in my life that know me this way. Can you imagine if you had shown up clean shaven at the underscores? Like, just to no just, one would recognize me. I, I wouldn't have. Can you imagine though what that would have been like for everyone? That would have been. It would have been. It would have been too much. It would have there, been there's mental. No, there's no. There's, there's no need for that. That would never happen. But yeah, it is. It's a part of my face. Like it is. It, it's part of what I look like. Like why would you? Why would you change that? Why would you? Why do you want me to grow win? something on my face, Mike? Because you're like you're adapting. You're changing, right? Well, but you can change. You're not, you not, can adapt. Yeah, but okay. But the difference is, right? If you don't <laughs> like it. It's gone immediately. Mm-hmm. That is not how it goes in the inverse. Like, yeah, I okay, like how okay. I am right now. I can't just try to not have a beard. Uh, okay. I, I'll, I'll let this slide for now, but we might circle back to this another time. Also, I just said circle back, so I hate myself. Logan asks... Let's put it in the parking lot. <laughs> I hate you. Logan asks, uh, what are your biggest podcast pet peeves? And uh, I suspect you and I are probably cut from the same mold on this. 
Bad preparation and bad audio. They are my two pet peeves. You can hear when someone is lost or fumbling around because they don't know what they want to talk about or what they want to ask next. And that's because they haven't prepared. And you should never hear a Skype artifact in a podcast, local recordings or bust. Concur, particularly with the end there. Um, The worst time that I ever have listening to podcasts, and it doesn't matter which one it is, it always goes the same. Even the ones that I think are really tightly edited. The worst time I ever have listening to a podcast is the one I listen to right after I do the edit for this show. Because my brain has flipped into the seek out anything that is out of place mode and yeah, every yeah, podcast yeah. I've ever listened to, even Cortex, which is extremely well edited. I will not accept that there is anything you can hear in that show that you would edit. <laughs> I can't tell if you're trolling or if you're serious, but there have certainly been times. I think I'm a bit of both. Fair. That's fair. Fair play. Um, now, truth be told, it is far less in Cortex than any other episode, but even I mean, shows... it better be. It takes me like four hours. Well, right. Uh, even shows that, generally speaking, I don't mind how they're done. Uh, and I can't think of a great example, but j- let's just say that, you know, the, the, the FUBAR show, and generally speaking, there's, you know, Skype artifacts all over the place, which generally annoy me, but whatever. And then people are talking over each other all the time, and I can get over that. If I listen to the FUBAR show after I, I do this edit, it drives me batty because all I can hear is all the issues, and, and it drives me insane. So these things, they don't, they don't count if you're just starting out. Oh yeah, very very true, very very true. This is like if you're if you're taking it seriously and you want to go for this thing, then then you go for it. I will just say for the just to state for the record that uh, I hear edit points in shows too, like all the time, all the time. So yep, try not to beat yourself up about it, but you're wrong about Cortex anyway. <laughs> Uh, Kyle asks, what do you do if you subscribe to a new podcast, backlog listening, that kind of thing? So it dep- for me, it depends on the show. So if it's news focused, I'll just jump in from then, right? Because there isn't much use in going into the backlog. But if it's like topic focused or there is a continuity to it or something like that, typically what I'll do is I will listen to an episode for whatever reason it tends to be it's been recommended so like i will just start with that one see like am i picking up what these people are putting down right like is that working for me and if it is then i will do one or two things i'll either go all the way back to the start if it's not too far in but if it's like a couple of hundred episodes in i will just go back a few months and then start listening and then when i if i catch up then I and but I know there's more in the back catalog. I'll go back further. So I did this with the Flophouse, um, and now I'm doing it with my new contender for maybe favorite show right now. Which I know I'm so late to this show, but I love it anyway. My brother, my brother, and me. I've never even heard of this. My brother, my brother, and me is huge. It's just been made into like a web TV show. Like it is awesome. I'm a huge fan of Travis and. Justin McElroy, they both work at Polygon and they do a lot of video game like related comedy videos on Polygon's YouTube channel, which are just incredible. If you've never watched Carboys or Monster Factory, oh, I've got some comedy for you. Like this stuff is so good. Um, so I started listening to Mabimbam and okay, so. Do you know how me and Matt have been doing Bonanza Solutions? Mm-hmm. Like, so answering questions for people, and mm-hmm. it goes in all sorts of weird... It is... I had no idea, but that's what my brother, my brother, and me is. 
but it's like a million times better because they're way funnier than us. <laughs> um, but they do, they do. It's an advice podcast. People write into them, and they answer. They give their advice, which is always hilarious, right? Because it's never like real advice. But they also, as well as people writing in, people suggest Yahoo Answers questions. Oh God. Right? So it's, it's incredible. And they have one of my very favorite things on any podcast ever, right? When they do that, they do all their sponsors at once. So they have like two or three sponsors. It's like an hour long. Uh, they also do something that Maximum Fun shows do called the Jumbotron, where you can like pay them to do a shout out to someone. But they do it in a segment called The Money Zone. <laughs> and they say, I think it's time to go to The Money Zone. And they have like this money zone music that plays. It's genius to call to, like to give the sponsor thing a name like that. Yeah. But then also like like a lot of comedy shows, uh, like for people that that have that kind of thing about them, there's comedy littered throughout the sponsorship as well. So like you listen to the ads because I mean, I don't. I mean, when I listen to it, I'm like. I don't know why companies sponsor this show because, like, I they very rarely talk about the actual thing. Like, they'll just pepper in a couple of stuff and talk about some jokes. But I guess when you have a show that is as big and popular as Bavim Bam, then it works out. But yeah, that's my that's my pick. This is like me just sneaking in a pick for this show as well. So, what about you? What do you do when you listen to a new show? Uh, if it's a show that's just gotten started and I'm in early, but maybe not on episode one, I'll go back. Um, if it's something that, like Serial, for example, I still haven't heard of the first season, but I knew that I wanted to hear the second season after everyone raved about the first season, and so thus I picked up the entire second season from the start. Um, anything that's been more than about 10 episodes, I just pick up right in the middle. Don't listen to John Syracuse. You can enjoy it darn near as much if you don't go back and listen to it all from the beginning. Uh, Even I, though it has produced some issues, I do support John's uh, decision to go back to the start of Cortex just because we are like for a technology focused po podcast so new in we're 47 episodes in believe it or not uh, because we do the bi-weekly thing and take big gaps so I mean I understand why someone coming to Cortex could still go back to number one yeah, but you don't have to. Anyway, um, I think that there's a benefit in, in going. Oh, back there's to a benefit, that but show. who has time? Ain't nobody got time for that. So anyway, people um, have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Now, the one thing I will say is I'm starting. Don't tell Mike Hurley, but I'm starting to get more and more into YouTube these days. And <laughs> what what used to be just one subscription to Mike Hurley has now blown up yeah, to um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven subscriptions. And wow. one of them is uh, regular car rev reviews which is a guy based out of somewhere in Pennsylvania. He's a regular dude, and he, and he reviews all these cars. And what I have done is if I don't have any podcasts to listen to, I'll put one of these videos on like in picture in picture on my Mac or perhaps just in the background entirely and listen to them. And I'll just click through ones that look interesting. So I'm doing this completely out of order. If John Syracuse knew I was doing this, he would murder me. But I'm doing it completely out of order, completely randomly, just listening to ones that I, I think I do that good. with YouTube. Because YouTube has the built-in algorithm, right? All you need to do is you watch a couple of videos, go to the homepage, and they're picking them out for you, right? Yeah, so, yeah. like, that that's what makes that make sense for YouTube because they use all of their smarts to just pick out episodes for you. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, we have one more block of uh, very special and, and unique uh, Relay Your Feels. But before we do that, we should talk about something else that's awesome. Yes, this week's episode is also brought to you by Linode. Linode gives you fast, powerful hosting for your projects that you can get set up in seconds. They have easy-to-understand tools so that you choose your resources and Linux distro, giving you the power and flexibility that you need. And their plans start at just $5 a month for a Linux server with 1 gigabyte of RAM in the Linode cloud. Linode has over 400,000 customers who are all serviced by their friendly 24-7 support team. You can email them, call them, or even chat over IRC in the Linode community. If you need help, they are there for you basically any way that you want. They have comprehensive guides and support documentation to teach you everything you need to know for setting up and managing your virtual servers. If you don't want to talk to anyone at all, right, they've got the support documentation for you to find your answers in. Linode's control panel is also nicely designed with a focus on ease and simplicity. It'll allow you to deploy, boot, resize, and clone in just a few clicks. They feature two-factor authentication to keep you safe, and you can create snapshot images of your disk volumes for backup and replication. Linode is the full package for your server infrastructure needs. They have the power you require, as well as the infrastructure and assistance that you want. Linode has some awesome new pricing options available too. You can get a server with one gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month now, and you can go all the way up to 16 gigabytes of RAM for only $60 a month, and their two gigabyte plan now includes 30 gigabytes of storage all for just $10 a month. Linode continues to offer more and more awesome options to meet your server needs. Across the board, they are offering twice the amount of RAM that you'll find elsewhere. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash analog, that's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash analog, you'll not only be supporting this show, you'll also get $20 towards any Linode plan. And we have a seven-day money-back guarantee. There's nothing to lose man a 20 dollar credit now that could get you four months of their, of their basic plan <laughs> so that's a pretty sweet deal if you want to just try out this stuff for yourself and with a seven day money back guarantee there's nothing to lose go to lino.com slash analog to learn more sign up and take advantage of that what is now mammoth 20 dollar credit or use the promo code analog 2017 at checkout thank you so much to Linode for their support of this show so it occurred to me as I was doing some homework the other day, and I have not gotten—I know I have not gotten sufficient congratulations from you, Mike, on doing a little bit of homework for this program. But anyway, I mean, I did the rest of it though. So, mm. so anyway, the point yeah. is, uh, I was doing some homework, and it occurred to me that there are some relay your feels that I would like to submit. So, friend of the show Casey List writes in: Does Mike really have any interest in learning how to drive? And if well, regardless of your answer, does it ever prove inconvenient? not that that you don't know how is it ever embarrassing and finally does adina know how to drive adina knows how to drive well okay let me rephrase that adina has a driving license Mm -hmm. but she has not driven in a car in like over 10 years oh interesting okay so she would need to take some lessons like some refresher lessons Mm -hmm. that's what she said not me she wants to take refresher lessons um is it embarrassing no, because I will tell people and they'll go, what? And they'll say, well, I grew up in London. And they go, oh, okay then. Yeah, that's typically I think that's how right. these things go, mm-hmm. right? Even with people in England like who grew up in more rural areas, like I'll explain to them, like, why would I need a car? And then I tell them, well, I took lessons when I was in between the ages of 16 and 17, but I'll pay for an hour, and I'm not kidding, sit for at least half of that time in traffic. So 
it was I, I kind of was like, no, I don't want to do this right now. So then I just didn't do it. Was always going to come back to it, but I've no, I've never really needed it. There's like the occasion, like for example, a couple of days ago, we're taking stuff to the post office, and it was a we ended up having a very nice walk around the neighborhood. But there's stuff like that where I'm like, I could have done this a couple of days ago if I just could jump in a car and drive to the post office. Um, you know, because it can just be easier with big stuff, right? We had to we had to wait until there was both of us because we had these big boxes that had to be taken. So blah 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 blah. Um, and so it would be easier if I had a car then. Um, I will get a driving license one day, and when you move I will to America. do it. I will. Mm, yeah, I mean, I would in theory. Yes, that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will. I will learn to drive. Uh, before we have kids like I'll, I'll start learning to drive when we decide that kids are a thing in our near future so then i've also got a little bit of experience under the belt um but i am probably going to look into taking an automatic only driving test which is the thing you can do here mm-hmm. uh because I, i'm just it was just, i might as well just keep it as easy as possible yeah that's fair that's sad, but fair. And also, from my understanding, like, apparently, like, manual transmissions don't exist anymore or something. Like, that's what I've heard. Is that the thing, right? That manual transmissions don't exist anymore? I heard that why, somewhere, I think. Why are you so mean to me? <laughs> it got so deep. Anyway, a uh, friend of the show, Casey List, also, also writes in, uh, how's the ring post going? I feel like I haven't heard a peep about it in ages. Mm. Should I have not this, asked that question? No, <laughs> you left it in the I show mean, notes, so I assumed it was fair I game. I know, I know. I'm just trying to think. I know the ring post was always a gamble because the professional wrestling podcast market is a big one, but it's mostly full of professional wrestlers mm, making their own podcasts, mm-hmm. right? As I, I think I said this before, but it's like imagine if every Apple engineer had their own show. Well, there'd be no space for me and you, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, the Ring Post has a devoted fan base, but a small one. And a lot of what I was really wanting to get out of the show has been given to me by the Slack group that I created. Oh, interesting. So there okay. is a Slack group of people yeah, yeah, yeah. who are talking about wrestling all the time, and I can talk to people <laughs> about wrestling all the time. The ring post is not dead. I am just working out what I'm doing with it. So, like, we have worked out a format of hosting format that makes the most sense for us. But the problem I have is I don't think this show is ever going to be really popular, like, big time. Not big time, but, like, just in line with some of the other stuff that I do. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it would always be my smallest show, no matter what. And... It's probably, for that reason, not ever really going to make any money. So what's been happening recently is I've been having to prioritize. And lots of things are getting prioritized over recording the ring post, unfortunately. Like, for example, right now, hiring an assistant is getting prioritized over that. Because, and then my hope is that in doing that, I might then have more time for the ring post again. But what will probably end up happening to the show is it will continue, but will become occasional. So like on big occasions, I reckon, is probably what will end up happening, happening, but I don't know yet. If there is a way for me to do it at least every two weeks 
I would I would do that. Um, but I'm still trying to work out along with my co-hosts, um, who were originally guest hosts, but now just help my co-hosts mm-hmm. uh, as the as the kind of the show format settled down. Uh, we, we're still just trying to work it out, and and I'm the problem, right? Like it's I'm being cautious of my time and hesitant of my time. Uh, so yeah, there you go. That's that's what's happening to the Ring Post. It's it's in just a little bit of limbo right now, unfortunately. All right. Well, I mean, it sounds like it's still successful if ju- if the definition of success is slightly different than what you expected. There are like there are an amount of listeners that like it that I'm happy I'm there are an amount of listeners that I'm really pleased are there considering this is the thing that I have no base in. Sure, sure. Right? But it's it's it unfortunately means, though, that because of the listenership that it has, I have to prioritize other things over it, yeah. which is a real shame. Um, and I hate having to do that because I've never really done that with anything before. But I think the difference is is that like it's very similar to my actual business. Mm-hmm. And uh, it means that I'm having to like... When I think about recording time and editing time of that show and then i think about another show like well like i can one for one them and and then it becomes a bit trickier making decisions you know yep absolutely uh we have a couple of other questions um from some person uh a really handsome person you know it'd be better without facial hair friend of the show mike hurley asks uh casey i wouldn't be though you know (laughs) Casey. casey has a birthday coming up indeed I see this because my calendar tells me mm-hmm. that it's coming up mm-hmm. and it is a, it's not, and, and your birthday will have passed by the time this show airs mm-hmm. and it's not a monumental birthday, and... but it's halfway between two of them. Well, and so it, it's slightly monumental. So I'm turning 35 uh, on Friday and we're recording this on Tuesday and, and 35 is important because that's when you reach the next bracket in like uh, surveys and stuff like that. You know, it's like 18 to 24, 24 to 34, something like that. Or maybe it's 24 to 30, 30 to 34. And then you get into like the old dude section, which is 35 and up. And, you know, I don't think surveys equate big birthdays. I, I think that if that is your reason for why this is a big birthday, I think you're setting your sights on that quite interestingly. <laughs> I'm just going from like a traditional 30 is a big birthday, 40 is a big birthday, sure. right? You you end up going to 10-year gaps yeah. at some point. Well, and, and, and to build on that, like I, I was I was serious about what I just said, but I was also somewhat snarking. But to, to build on what you just said... Um, it's certainly angling toward 40. Like right now, as I sit here today, I'm 34 and I feel like, oh, you know, I'm still in my early 30s. It's cool. And even though, like, strictly speaking, I'm sure you would call this mid 30s, but you think of it as you're not 35 yet. So you're on the first half. So you're good to go. And then you hit 35 and it's like, well, you're just sliding right into 40. Have fun with that, you old dude. And uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I, I wouldn't say I feel dread. Do you think you might fall into a pit of existential dread like I did on my birthday, though? I don't think so. Like, I mean, we have we have very very mellow plans for my birthday this year, which is basically the same thing we did last year, and that's fine. I'm I'm good with that. That's what I requested. But um, I don't know. I just I feel like I feel like my life is fairly well under control. Knock on glass on my desk, but um, I, I feel like. 
I, I have my life pretty well under control, but there's a few things that are bigger deals that I that I should probably start getting control of, and I feel like I'm running out of time to do that easily. So as a simple example, I would like to get a better control of exercise, which is to say actually exercise, and, and, and my weight, which I don't think is bad, but I, I think I could stand to be more fit. Um, and I think that starting that at say 40 would be very challenging. Whereas starting that at 35 while also challenging is considerably easier. And so I, I, I'm running out of time to procrastinate on those sorts of things, if that makes sense. So that's, that's kind of freaking me out a bit. And we'll finish up today by me asking a question you alluded to earlier. What are your thoughts on UK new top gear take two? And can you give a brief overview of what's happened? Sure. So season 23, I believe it was, of Top Gear. I hope I have that right. Uh, 23 was when they had Chris Evans, um, Matt LeBlanc, Rory Reed, Chris Harris, uh, Jordan, Eddie Jordan, is that right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, who is an F1 commentator, I guess. Uh, Sabine Schmitz. And I feel like there might be one other person that I'm forgetting, but uh, uh, just a, a multitude of people. And But really, it was Matt LeBlanc and Chris Evans. Correct. It was Matt LeBlanc and Chris Evans. I personally thought that Chris Evans was a terrible host. That's just my opinion. I don't think Mike agrees with me, and that's okay. That doesn't mean I'm right. doesn't mean he's wrong. Uh, I did not care for him at all. And as Mike alluded to earlier, I th- almost any American I spoke to did not care for him, which is weird because having seen him on guest spots on the show when Clarkson and, and Hammond and May were around, I thought he was going to be great. I thought I was going to love him, but I did not like Guesting Chris Evans. Guesting and hosting are two very different things. Though. Yeah, and, and to be clear, this is not Captain America Chris Evans. This is uh, British radio and TV presenter Chris Evans. Um, so I hated Chris Evans. He got pulled back pretty early on, and by the end of the series, he had pretty much all but left the show. This is the last one, the, the, the first one that had the rebooted cast. Uh, Chris Harris had been getting more and more time, which I think is wonderful because I love Chris Harris. God, I love Chris Harris. And Rory Reed, I did not know prior to Top Gear, but I've actually come to quite like Rory Reed as well. I think he's I think very good. he was good. a YouTuber. I think that's right, yes. Um, and then Matt LeBlanc, I think he wasn't terribly comfortable with the more ad-libbed stuff, which is the stuff I tend to prefer. But all in all, I thought he was fine. I I thought he was sufficient. Um, This new season, we're two episodes in as we record this, and it started really strongly. It it has made me feel like I'm watching Clarkson, Hammond, and May Top Gear more than Grand Tour possibly ever did. And that's probably the biggest compliment I can pay to it. Yeah. But what's the host breakdown now? So now it's basically... LeBlanc and Harris are kind of the two primaries with Rory, not exactly second fiddle, but not exactly quite on the same plane as the two of them either. It's like before May really had gotten to be on an evil Mm -hmm. footing. You know what I mean? So it's not that he's second fiddle, but he's also not the same, you know? So anyway, um, their their chemistry is getting stronger. It is still not Clarkson Hammond in May and and you can't get there in two years. You know, I mean, they've, they've been doing this for, 10, 15 at this point, something like that, uh, that Clarkson, Hammond, and May have. So you're not going to get to that level in two years, but they have been doing really well. They rejiggered the show a little bit, so they basically have a guest come out for the entirety of the studio section. I think that is a little bit awkward, but I like in principle where they're going with it. They're tweaking the the format that Clarkson, Hammond, and May came up with, but doing it in a way 
that's it's still true to the spirit but different if that makes sense um the stig doesn't do the hot laps with the with the um guests uh chris harris does and i think that actually works nicely because you can see some of the coaching and you can see him kind of squeam and and uh, squirm and, and 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 um and scream and 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 be uncomfortable I, I really think this is off to a great start. Um, there have definitely been parts that have missed. There have been parts that have been boring. There have been parts that have been like, eh. But all in all, they've been doing a really tremendous job. I really hope to see more of Sabine, who, to my understanding, is still a part of the cast. I think that she should be on way more often than she was in the first season, or, or I guess that's 23. Um, I hope to see a lot more of her in, in, in the remaining episodes of 24, which is the current season. I'm skeptical that I will. But um, but yeah, I, I recommend it. And uh, if if, I don't know, Mike, if you happen to have access to my Plex server, you could uh, stream one of these if I had hypothetically I mean, gotten my hands on it. for free on BBC iPlayer, but... You could do that too. I think I'm kind of over Top Gear in all of its forms now. Oh, that's too bad. I mean, I understand it, but it's too bad. And on that bombshell... Is this the second time in two, in two episodes we're going to do this? I all right, go for it. Go on. On that bombshell, it's time to end.